Well, good morning, everyone. Welcome to Home Builders. We're going to start things up here in a few minutes, but uh, make sure uh, you get your coffee and refreshment. Thanks, everybody, who brought something today, and I uh, appreciate that. If you have a prayer request, don't forget that the green card's at the table, and you can fill out your prayer request, so during our prayer time, you can be praying about that. And then also, uh, if you're visiting with us today, and you're uh, possibly considering joining the class, there's uh, information at the table for that as well. Let's go ahead and read our verse real quick. It is 1 Timothy 6, 15 and 16. He is the blessed and only sovereign, the King of kings and the Lord of lords, who alone is immortal and who lives in unapproachable light, whom no one has seen or can see. To him be honor and eternal power. Amen. All right. Oops, I forgot to uh, switch the, this out. Go to my lesson. See, Donna always handles this for me, so I miss her when she's not here. The promises of God for our lives. God will do it. Numbers 23, 19 says, God is not human that he should lie. And if you don't have a lesson sheet, raise your hand and we'll make sure we get one of those to you. Just, uh, just lift your hand up and they'll get you a lesson sheet. It's got these notes on it. For those of you who are visiting or those of you who haven't been here in a while, I don't give you fill in the blanks uh, because people focus to me focus too much on filling in blanks and then they are more focused on that than actually hearing it. And so then they miss it and then it's like, oh, oh, they get worried about filling in a blank. So I give you everything. So you don't have to worry about it. Um, so hopefully you'll pay attention regardless. Um, and you'll also take this with you so that throughout the week you can, as a family, as an individual, you can be continuing to uh, go over this again and kind of review it. God is not human that he should lie, not a human being that he should change his mind. Does he, he speak and then not act? Does he promise and not fulfill? God is faithful. He will act on your behalf. Can I get an amen to that? Amen. Has God acted on your behalf? God, has God specifically answered prayers on your behalf? Let me get some examples of that. Have you experienced answered prayer? Yes? yes? Give me some examples. Yeah. My wife had cancer. She was healed. Wife has cancer. Barbara had cancer. And she's now cancer free. Amen. That's an answer to prayer. Well, the doctor will only let me say remission. Yes. Rem but I feel like I'm healed. <laughs> Amen. Remission's a good thing. Yes. Especially with God. Somebody, yeah, Tish. This week we had our floor sanded and Yeah, that's awesome. Praise the Lord for that. Somebody else, answer prayer. <coughs> Can I get a witness? Yeah, James. Yeah, I had a road trip from Michigan a couple months ago, and it was supposed to rain really hard the whole 13 hours, and it didn't rain at all. So, wow. The, uh, the radar showed it was supposed to, like, it showed the rain, but we didn't hit any. So, I think that's an answer to prayer. Amen. Rob. Yard, we've uh, prayed for like 10 years to have our daughter and our grandchildren move back to town, and they moved back to town a week ago. 
a month ago. So. That's awesome. Good for you, and congratulations. It's wonderful having grandkids and children. Close to you. <laughs> yeah, yeah, Cheryl, her surgery went well. And uh, can't, you know, no cancer, benign. So we're grateful for that answer prayer. We pray for our children and grandchildren that they would walk with the Lord and at the current time they all are. Amen. Praise the Lord for that. Uh, we prayed as well for our grandchildren to be saved. And uh, Madison had become a follower of Christ, so I got to baptize her. And on November 7th, Zachary's going to get baptized. I'm going to get the privilege of baptizing him. So amazing. So now we're just praying for Levi as he, he's three. And as he continues to grow older, that he'll accept the Lord. And uh, Lord willing, I'll get the privilege of baptizing him as well. Anything else before I go on? Answered prayer. There's so many prayers that can be prayed. Yeah. Exactly. I remember that. It was like, oh, it's going to be raining on the parade. <laughs> you know? Uh, and it did. So praise the Lord for that. What does it mean to be faithful? The Lord your God is God. He is the faithful God. I, can someone look up for me Deuteronomy 7 9? I have it here, but I'd rather hear from you. There's, the rest of that verse is, it needs to be there as well. Does somebody have your Bible with you? Amen. And who will read Deuteronomy 7 9? All right, Esther, thank you. Know therefore that the Lord your God is God, the faithful God who keeps covenant and steadfast love with those who love him and keep his commandments to a thousand generations. Man, what a promise that is. God is God. What's the significance of that statement? He's the same. You can trust in him. He's God and not man. Right? What else? Nobody else can make that claim. No one else can make that claim. The God. Amen. Somebody else. God is God. I want to put a little phrase at the end there. And I'm not. <laughs> God is God and I'm not. But do you ever want to be? You, you, we don't say that, but sometimes we kind of act that way. Esther. We've been studying in Esther how even though God wasn't mentioned as God did this, he was working through the entire time of that book. And it's been amazing that he and I are together in that study yeah. to see how God has worked when he didn't even mention it. Yeah. How God works, even though he's not even mentioned in the book of Esther. We see the hand of God moving through the whole thing. God is God. His covenant with man is love. His covenant. Okay? It's an unchanging agreement. His covenant with us is unchanging. You remember the Noahic covenant, right? He says, I will never destroy the earth again. By what? You can, you can take it to the bank, right? It's not going to happen. So his covenant with us is love to a thousand generations. But this promise is conditional to, to those who love his commands and keep his commands. Now, here's the thing. When you think of that phrase, sometimes people will look at that and go, you know, 
Gosh, I don't always keep his commands, so does God not love me? No. Here's the point of this. Do you love God's word? Say amen. amen. You would not say that unless you're just trying to fit in with the crowd. You would not say that unless God's Holy Spirit lived within you. Because you will not love his word and the truth of his word if you didn't know him. But because you do know him, you have the love of God in you and the love for God in you in here. And you love to keep his commands. Now, I will say this, okay? I'll be bold enough to make this claim. If you have no interest in keeping God's commands, you need to check your salvation. Okay? It doesn't mean that you are perfect. 1 John 1, 8 9 takes care of that. If we say that we have no sin, we deceive ourselves, and the truth is not in us. That's written to Christians. So we're not sinless. But you know what? All of us in here should love his commands. God, I want to do your will. I want to do your word. I want to be holy as you're holy. I want to be perfect as you are perfect. That should be the passion and desires of our heart. But does the flesh get in the way at times? How many of you may have sinned this past week? Okay. And if you didn't raise your hand, you just did. The, the point is, is that when we think about God, it's, it's not, sometimes we beat ourselves up because of our sin. Don't. Jesus was already beat up for our sins. Did you hear that? Jesus was already beat up for our sins. He's already suffered for our sins. The just for the unjust loop. So that he could bring me to God. 1 Peter 3, 18. The, the point is, is that do I love his commands? Absolutely. Do I always obey his commands? No. But the passion of my heart is to obey him. Jeremiah was admonished to call upon God. And he promised to do more than he could imagine. Does God bless us in ways that we can't imagine? Jeremiah 33, 3. Someone read that for me. Call to me and I will answer you and tell you great and unsearchable things that you do not know. So God, God tells Jeremiah, call to me and I'll answer you. He answers prayer. Call. Trust in me. And I'll do unsearchable, unthinkable things that you don't even, aren't even aware of. Ephesians 3, 20 and 21 says, Now to him who is able to do immeasurably more than we all, than all we ask or imagine, according to his power that is at work within us, to him be glory in the church and in Christ Jesus throughout all generations, forever and ever. Amen. Does God bless us in ways that we can't imagine? Yeah. <laughs> you, were, you were mentioning uh, not James... Uh, not having rain, even though they're showing rain. I've told you this story before, but it still amazes me. When I, uh, I drove home eight hours to Ohio when I was a college student. And, you know, I, I didn't know how to do the whole oil change myself as a college student and whatever, and I have all the stuff to do it. And so I went through one of these Jiffy Loop kind of places and had them change my oil right before I left. I get, I get home. And, and right as I'm driving into Alliance, my check engine oil light comes on. And I'm like, oh boy, that's a problem. And I pull in and I go, and dad walks out and we hug and I go, I got a problem with my car. And we open the hood 
and took the dipstick out and there was no oil in it. They had emptied the oil, put the plug back and forgot to put the oil in. And I drove eight hours without oil. I mean, there was probably just enough in there that, you know, but the probably is a God thing. Did he answer prayer? Amen. Somebody else. More than you can imagine. Wes Betcher is sitting back there. He just raised his hand. That man is a miracle of God. Amen? Fifth anniversary since your cardiac arrest. How many minutes were you without oxygen because you're, you were flatlined? Right. How many minutes? Do you remember? 40. I don't remember. <laughs> <laughs> what did the doctor say? Okay, after six, seven minutes, you start losing brain function. 40 minutes. His wife was called in. I came in. Others came in. Because the doctor said, when he comes to, he'll be, in their terminology, a vegetable. And he, do you still drive? Oh, yeah. That's a prayer request. <laughs> <laughs> no, no, that's a praise. <laughs> Because no one could explain it. No one could explain it. But God. You know? My son with his motorcycle accident. Unreal. His motorcycle accident that he is walking and, and working and doing what he can do to this day is a miracle. You know? The thing is, is we serve a miracle God. And he wants to do that in our lives. Now, again, does he always work in the way we want him to? No. But he has the, his perfect love. It's a covenant of love with us that lasts from generation to generation for a thousand generations. God loves you and cares enough about you that he knows you intimately, he knows you perfectly, knows exactly what you need. And we have no clue about tomorrow. None of us do. None of us know what tomorrow is going to bring. However, God allows us to do, go through things because ultimately, Philippians 1.6 is still part of his plan. He that hath begun a good work in you is going to perform it into the day of Jesus Christ. His goal in your life is not to make you happy. It's to make you holy. His goal in your life is to conform you to the image of his son. Why? Because he's a killjoy? Because he just wants to make your life miserable? That he wants to make your life, you know, struggles and difficult? No. God, and I believe this with all my heart, God is doing things in our life because he's preparing us for eternity. Because what we do now matters in eternity. 
how we live our lives now. Why would he say, store up treasures in heaven where moth and rust does not corrupt and thieves break through and steal? Now, again, I'm not talking about like the Egyptians putting aside in, in, our, in, our, in our tombs all the gold and silver and stuff like that so that we'll have it in, in eternity. No, that's not what he's talking about. But what we do now prepares us for whatever that's going to be like. What is that going to experience? Now, I know a lot of the old preachers of the day, God bless them, and they may be right. They would say, well, we're going to have all these gifts that we're going to throw at the feet of Jesus. And you know what? That's exactly what we might do. Because there's no pride in heaven. There's no arrogance in heaven. No one's going to be in heaven like, well, I'm here. Look at all I got. Sorry for your mansion. That looks like a shack. I've got gold. You know, it's like, no. That's not, that's not what heaven's all about. What heaven is about is about what God has done in and through us and what it's going to be like for eternity and serving him, worshiping him, blessing him. And so God is working through us and doing those things. And I think it's ultimately to prepare us for the future. He is better than our earthly fathers. Someone read for me Matthew 7, 7 through 11. Have you asked it? more will your Father in Heaven give you good gifts when you ask Him? You see, what He's doing is an analogy here. If you're a good dad, um, you're going to do things for your children. You, you try to help them. Or if you're, you know, as a child, remembering your own parents, how they treated you. And our earthly fathers sometimes mess up. Sometimes they do real good. How many of you had a father that was just a, a, a real blessing in your life? I know many of you did, you know? Well, think about that. That experience, and he says, imagine the goodness of that. Bill Rice talks often, because we're accountability partners, of how awesome his father was. What a, a privilege it was to have a dad like he had. And, and God says in his word, if, if, if Bill Rice's dad knew how to give good gifts to his son, how much more does your Heavenly Father want to do for you? Think about that. How much love God has for you. God loves every single one of you. And He wants to give you good things when you ask for them. Now again, we know, we know these things that sometimes God says yes, sometimes He says no, and sometimes He says wait. Because in His sovereignty, He knows exactly what we need. Or, Sometimes he doesn't give us things because in his wisdom, he knows the result of it, what will happen in the future. I'm grateful to have two children, their spouses, and my grandchildren who love God. Those of you in here also know the heartache of having a child. Some of you have had a child go astray. 
you know the struggles with that. God allowed that for a reason. God is, and you're, you're working, he's working in all of this. And we continue to pray for those of you who have asked for prayer for your children who went astray. Jim Simula wrote his book, Fresh Wind, Fresh Fire. And in that, he talks about the struggle of his own daughter. He's the pastor of Brooklyn Tabernacle, the greatest, one of the greatest churches in America. And his own daughter walked away for a while from God. And he prayed her back into the kingdom, if you will. But God in his sovereignty knows it all. And sometimes we go, but God, if you really loved me, you would blank. And sometimes I think if God could open our eyes, he could show us the why. He doesn't. That's the faith walk. Learning to walk by faith, not by sight. For who's, if you want to please God, you've got to come to good faith. And sometimes you go, Lord, but I want this. Everybody else seems to have this. Why can't I have this? And God says, trust me. Trust me. Trust me. And that trust is something that God desires in our life so that we can ultimately walk in our, our, our life by faith and trust so that we can have joy. Not, not disparage, not, not discouragement, not hopelessness, but faith. To trust Him in it. His will for our lives is the best possible outcome. He answers prayer in relationship to his will. 1 John 5, 14 and 15 says, This is the confidence we have in approaching God. That if we ask anything according to his will, he hears us. And if we know that he hears us, whatever we ask, we know that we have what we have asked of him. When we ask according to his will. But you know what? God, God knows exactly the best outcome for us. He knows exactly what we need and what we don't need. You know, there are so many things in my life that I am so grateful for God's protection. I know where I've come from. I know the decisions that could have affected my life forever. I know how God answered prayers in ways that, ways that I can't even fathom. And God's best will is always the best and not mine. I mean, the things that I thought of in high school, and the, thing, the, the potential direction I could have went, the anger and bitterness that my siblings and I went through because of the, the physical nature of my dad towards us, could have taken us in wild directions. You know, and I, I mean, I can still remember looking out at our greenhouse in the late 70s, in 1976, the oil crisis hit, and it shut down our, our greenhouse because we couldn't afford the oil anymore. And here's this empty greenhouse. I am working at the golf course, the Lions Country Club, and my boss was a drug dealer at the golf course. And they would, he would bring in once a week a bag of marijuana this big. And the guys would sit around the table separating the seed from the weed. Taking the stems out, making sure everything was good, and guys were smoking weed and all this kind of stuff. And I can still picture it. I'm in high school, I'm 16 years old. 
And I'm looking at that greenhouse. My parents will never realize that I've got marijuana in there. How would I even think that? Because as an experiment, I took some seeds. I was in charge because my parents had a greenhouse. They didn't buy anything from us. But they said, you know plants? You got the, all the flower gardens for the entire golf course. So I was responsible for all the flower gardens. And I went to the farthest flower garden and I planted all these marijuana seeds. And I know this is being recorded, but I threw them away just in case. It, oh, it's okay. <laughs> I went out there a couple weeks later and I had 21 plants growing a foot tall. I ripped them out, threw them into the weeds. I was just curious. Could I grow weed? And then I'm looking at this greenhouse. My boss is a drug dealer. The amount of money that could come in from that greenhouse would have far exceeded anything my parents ever made. Thankfully, the Holy Spirit of God poured all over me and said, Lou, how are you even thinking this? But Lord, you don't understand how, how frustrating it is to be poor. Lou, I've got you. It's okay. Trust me. And that was that. You know, but my life could have changed forever. Ever. By making one stupid decision because my brain, my, what's it called? Uh, the uh, uh, part of the brain that makes, that knows consequences? The which one? Yeah. Yeah, that, 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 the stick to it part of the brain. <laughs> Hadn't developed yet, but, but God had developed in me. We can approach God. He knows what's best for us. God gave his son. What will he hope withhold from us? Romans 8, 32. He who did not spare his own son, but gave him up for us. Say that word. Oh. oh. That'll cover anything. How will he not also along with him graciously give us all things? Think about that. Are you grateful for Jesus today? Yes. He gave his son for God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son. If he's willing to give his son, what's he willing to give to you? What's he willing to do for you? Now that can be also... Part of the sacrifice. Amen? Sometimes it's a sacrifice. You give up yourself in a way that you would never plan on doing. But you know what? Ultimately, you find out the blessing of it. You give up time, energy, resources, and God's going to take that and use it in ways that you can't even imagine to bless your life. God's promised us the assurance of our salvation. We don't have to wait until we die to know that we're going to heaven. You know, that's what my pastor told me when I was growing up. I mean, I sat there across the table with him because I was a Boy Scout. I got an eagle. I was doing my God in Country Pin. And you had to meet with your pastor. So I was at Beechwood United Methodist Church. And my pastor sat across from me. And we debated all the time. He said, Lou, you will not know until you die until you, that you're going to heaven. Because you, you don't know if you've done enough good works. I said, Pastor, 
think that your dad was a Baptist pastor. You know that's not true. These things have I written unto you that you may know that you have eternal life. That wasn't written in there for nothing. But God has given us his word so that we can know it. The problem is, though, is that we get things messed up in our head. And we like, in reality, there's some pride in some human beings. All of us. And sometimes we think it's us and God. Well, you know, it's me doing this. And then God will go, yay, Lou. You taught home builders. You were a teacher for 29 years. Praise God. You deserve to go to heaven. No. Even though you, you know me, you don't know my heart. What if I'm doing this for pride? I like a lot of people in the class. No, I'm not. Believe me. That's not who I am. But nevertheless, you can't tell what the, what's on the heart. God does, though. In everything that we do. Man. God, God has given this to us. We don't have to fear when we're led by the Spirit. How can we know we're led by God's Spirit? For those who are led by the Spirit of God are the children of God. So, how do you know that you are led by the Spirit? If you're a child of God. It's a guarantee. If you're a child of God, you'll be led by the Spirit. Now, can you grieve the Holy Spirit? How do you grieve the Holy Spirit? Sinning, but not obeying. Can you quench the Holy Spirit? Can I get a witness here? Yeah. I'm gonna, yeah. And when we sin habitually, even though 1 John 5, when we're living a lifestyle of sin as a Christian, we're going to struggle with that. And we get the Holy Spirit can in many ways just back off and go, fine. And you're, gonna, you're making choices, and you're, those choices are going to lead to destruction. Not your eternal soul, but in your life. Have you ever known a follower of Christ to do that? I have. Made life decisions that were destructive to them. Didn't mean they were going to hell. Just meant they're living like they've been there. And what ends up happening is, is that, but when we walk in the Spirit, we're led by the Spirit. The Spirit you receive does not make you slaves so that you live in fear again. Rather, the Spirit you receive brought about your adoption to sonship. And by Him we cry, Abba, Father, Daddy. The Spirit Himself testifies with our spirit that we are God's children. Now, if we're children, then heirs, and heirs of God, and co-heirs with Christ. If indeed we share in His sufferings in order that we may also share in His glory. You're co-heirs with Christ. What does Christ own? What do you own? Everything. Because he lives, I'm going to live. Because he rose, I'm going to rise. I'm not, he's not making us gods. But we're, his, we're, we're children of God. We who follow Jesus and his word are in God's hands. John 10, 27 through 29 says, My sheep listen to my voice. And I know them, and they follow me, and I give them eternal life. They shall never perish. No one shall snatch them out of my hand. 
My Father who gives them to me is greater than all, and no one can snatch them out of my Father's hand. Verse 30, I and my Father are one. What's the difference, though? We can follow Jesus as we're in God's hands. What's the difference between God's voice, my sheep listen to my voice. What's the difference between God's voice and the voice of the world? So God's voice, it cares about you. The world doesn't. What else? God's word is truth. What? God's voice is truth. The world's is a lie. Somebody else? Yeah, uh, the world's focus is on myself. Focus yeah. It's all for you. Do you not see that everywhere? It's amazing. It's all about you. Everything. In fact... If you've even thought about something now in our culture today is celebrate new ideas about who you might be. Think about that. It's all about you and your happiness. What is it about you and the unfortunate thing? Okay. This is the destruction of the world's voice. When it's all about me, I'll never be happy. When it's all about me, I'll never be satisfied. I mean, when we think through that, when I am, am, am focused on myself, because ultimately, if I'm, if I'm thinking about life in relationship to who I am, there's never enough to make me happy. There's never enough to keep me satisfied. Where is my identity? Think about that one. Where is my identity? Folks, even in this room, our identity can be messed up. If my identity is my title, if my identity is what I think about myself, if my identity is my wealth, if my identity is my family, if my identity is my children, if my identity is my last name, if my identity is whatever, I'll never be happy. Because everything has to revolve around my happiness then. And when it's not, and in real life, it doesn't revolve around us. It's never going to be ultimately satisfying. Then why do we have the issue in our school systems today with kids whose identity is being destroyed by the world? Because they go, hey, if you're not happy with your identity, change it. But will that ultimately make them happy? No. No. Because it's always shifting. And it's always based on everybody else's perception of me. And let me just tell you, not everybody's going to like you. And when your identity is all about you, and not about who you are, that's why he calls us the children of God. A joint heir with Jesus. Because as soon as it's about me, everything becomes relative and changes. We are no longer condemned with the world. John 3, 18. He, he assures us of promises of our salvation. We're no longer condemned. Whoever believes in him is not condemned. But whoever does not believe stands condemned already because they have not believed in the name of God's one and only Son. John 5, 24. Very truly I tell you, whoever hears my words and believes him who sent me has eternal life and will not be judged but has crossed over from death to life. Whoever hears my word and believes in him. Who's the him? Jesus. Jesus. Has eternal life and will not be judged. 
You're not going to be judged, folks. Not in the same way as the world. Um, you want me to finish? Okay. I heard that yes. God will give us faith as we invest time in his word. How does God give us faith through hearing his word? Why is faith so important in the Christian life? Answer that real quick. Why is faith so important? It connects us to God. Yeah. It gives us access to God. It builds our trust in God. It builds our trust. Excellent. Something else. It's our Without faith, you can't please him. Without faith, it's impossible to please God. Consequently, Faith comes by hearing and hearing the message, and the message is heard through the word about Christ. And we get faith from God when we hear his word. And then Hebrews 11, 6, without faith, it's impossible to please God. But anyone who comes to him must believe that he exists and that he rewards those who earnestly seek him. We are to fight the good fight of faith. Why is it a, a fight to have faith? What challenges our faith in God? Everything the world offers. Yeah, everything the world offers. It's a battle between the flesh and the spirit. It's about our identity. First uh, Timothy 6.12, fight the good fight of faith. Take hold of the eternal life to which you were called when you made your good profession in the presence of many witnesses. Hold on to that. Fight the fight of faith, the good fight of faith. Keep trusting. Because the world's going to tell you, quit trusting. But you've got to fight it. When our faith, when, <laughs> Wow. Oh, you are. Sorry, change that. When our faith is challenged, we should keep trusting in uh, him. Please change that in your notes. <laughs> That'll humble you. Hebrews 10, 23, let us hold unswervingly to the hope we profess. For he who promised is faithful. If any of you lacks wisdom, James 1, 5, and 6 says, you should ask God, who gives generously to all without finding fault, and it will be given to you. But when you ask, you must believe and not doubt. Because the one who doubts is like a wave of the sea blown and tossed by the wind. Trust him. Keep trusting him. And finally, stay confident. Persevere. Don't give up. God will bless your life here and in the life to come. Hebrews 10, 35-38 says this. So do not throw away your confidence. It will be richly rewarded. You need to persevere so that when you have done the will of God, you will receive what he has promised. For in just a little while, he who is coming will come and will not delay. And, but my righteous one will live by faith. And I take no pleasure in the one who shrinks back. Now, both of those quotes are from the Old Testament. It had already been over 500 years. 600 years since these were spoken. And you go, it's just going to be a little while. What's it to the Lord? A day is like a thousand years. Now, I think he's going to come back in my lifetime. But he may not. It may be several lifetimes. But we're going to receive what he has promised. That's going to be a short time. Because when I die, I know where I'm going. Do you? And if you don't, ask me. I've got a great story to tell you about the Savior of this world. Let's pray. Father, in the name of the Lord Jesus. 
Thank you for your precious promises. May we trust in them and believe what you say and share them with others. God, may we have hope. May we have encouragement. May we experience the joy of our salvation because we hear and learn these promises for our lives. As we go our separate ways, Lord, not only go with us, but empower us to share your truth with others. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. I love you all. Have a great week.